your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. So, uh, what is going to happen with things like food security and uh, having enough uh, raw material on our um, um, on our doorstep in order to ensure that we have the food that we expect uh, on our tables day in, day out. Well, Andy Doyle is tillage editor of the Irish Farmers Journal and he is on the line. Hello, Andy. How are you doing? Good, thanks, Joe. So there was a kind of an idea floated either by the Minister for Agriculture um, or people close to him over the weekend, which suggests that you might have compulsory... Um, setting of crops on farms where they wouldn't have any experience of it and yet there were talks yesterday and no sign of that specifically on the table we understand Correct Joe, Um, it's not on the table and it's not going to be on the table Um, you know it it would be a very poor use of national resources uh, to force people to grow a crop that the land and or the climate is inherently unsuitable to and I think everybody in the department knows that and farmers know that as well so no we don't foresee any move towards compulsory tillage Uh, but what is being considered is that perhaps people that have a mixed farm with uh, some grassland and some tillage maybe they would grow a little more or perhaps there are people in control of grassland uh, who could be encouraged uh, to give it up for tillage or to grow tillage on themselves but many of those may not have the skills or the equipment or indeed the resources to do that. And and what sort of crops do we grow at the moment in Ireland and how much of our domestic market do they supply? Um, Joe, the biggest crop of course is grass and people often forget that as as that it's actually a crop because it grows from the land. Uh, The major cereals we grow are wheat, oats and barley. We also grow a bit of rye and we grow a bit of triticale. They're small quantities. Uh, Rye is going increasingly towards the food stroke bread or to the drinks industry. So that's kind of a new market. So that is an expanding crop. Triticale is predominantly feed uh, and um, wheat is exclusively animal feed. Uh, with with some very small exceptions. Barley is going to the feed market mainly, but also it's fueling the drinks industry. And then oats, predominantly, uh, actually that one is split reasonably well between the porridge market, the horse feed market, which is a premium market, and then the animal feed market, which would be going predominantly towards sheep. So that's the production, they're the crops. Between all of those, we're producing somewhere around 25 million, sorry, 2.3 million tonnes, which is exactly uh, 1% of, it's not even 1%, it's out of 2.3 billion tonnes of grains produced globally. So we're pretty insignificant in the overall scheme of things. But to put it in perspective, because we grow um, a bulk for feed, but there are some other markets, of the crop Crops we grow, about 1.8 million tonnes goes to the feed market, but we produce almost 6 million tonnes of feed. So we're we're not uh, 30% of the total feed supply. And that's leaving us vulnerable both on the supply side now 
and also on the uh, issue of saying that we have Irish produce that we're selling abroad because there's so much imports coming in. Right, so what you kind of said there, Andy, is that the overnight oats I had today, um, the horse that I might bet on at Cheltenham next uh, week, for example, and if someone is drinking a beer (laughs) over the next few weeks or the spring lamb, all of that is connected to uh, the list that you gave us. But in reality, we are not even close to self-sufficient on the staple um, that we would need on our tables. Uh, Not not only are you not self-sufficient, Joe, but there is virtually zero contribution of the staple on your tables in the form of bread originating from Irish crops. And, uh, you know, I I, I genuinely think that, you know, because people don't think about these things, but they do buy Irish branded bread and and probably assume, you know, just in the nature of things you assume. Well, sure, it's Irish, isn't it? But as you've just pointed out, well, yes and no. Um, Yeah, well, it certainly doesn't involve Irish wheat. Uh, Some of the artisan producers, of which there are a growing number, might be using an amount of Irish wheat. Uh, but but Irish wheat is not really that well suited to the production of our standard slice pan. That's a very high quality uh, flour that's needed to do that. Uh, the the Irish wheat and we used exclusively Irish wheat, you know, a hundred a hundred plus years ago. That's all we had. Uh, but we were making predominantly brown breads that don't require this very fluffy texture, mm. that don't require this extremely white flour. And I think it's time to go back, or if we go back to look at Irish uh, staple bread, uh, we really need to look at the type of product that we're using, particularly when you have the whole obesity debate hinging around uh, really quick-release carbohydrates as such as uh, white bread. So, so where is it coming from there? I suspect you're about to say, well, some of it's coming from Ukraine. I can't actually say whether it is or it isn't coming from Ukraine. Uh, well, firstly, no, there wouldn't be any Irish, sorry, Ukrainian wheat necessarily coming into Ireland for to make bread. It would be going to Britain in the main, UK or Britain. Uh, that's where it would go. And generally what happens then is that it's mixed with other wheats of other origins to give a set of characteristics to the flour that will come from that to specify individual markets. People probably don't think a lot about flour, uh, but, you know, if you take flour, is certainly not a uniform product. Think of you trying to make a sponge cake or a biscuit. One of them you're expecting to rise and be nice and fluffy. Yes. The other one, if it rises, you're in trouble because it will fall apart the minute you lift it. So you have ex- very, very different flour types used the production of different products from the bakery industry. Uh, I would even say probably hundreds of them. And they all require wheat of different characteristics, which generally originate from different origins. Okay, we're chatting to Andy Doyle, who's tillage editor of the Irish Farmers Journal, and uh, Sean Lavery of the Irish Farmers Association, based here in Limerick, is on the line. Hello, Sean. Hello, Joe. Hello, Andy. Um, How are you, Sean? That was fascinating, really, from Andy. Um, learned a lot from that myself, I have to say. And I presume, you know, farmers around the country um, think to themselves when crises like this happen, well, a lot of this stuff goes under the radar and no one worries about it until something like this. And here you are. And I wonder if farmers, you know, are not a little bit 
insulted by the idea that, you know, professionals in one sector of farming are doing what they are doing and in other sectors of farming are doing what they are doing. And the idea that, Erisher, why don't you just throw a few crops out there, lads, and see how it goes is a bit much. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. I, I suppose the comments at the weekend, the front page of the, the newspaper that we're going to have compulsory tillage was almost like a, a, a cheap throwaway comment. Listen, we get every farmer in the country to to uh, grow, grow tillage and we'll sort out our problem. And as Andy said there, it's, we have a very, I suppose, sophisticated, internationally traded business. And when you talk about wheat, one of the issues with wheat that's not appreciated is that we produce 772 million tonnes of wheat globally. And Russia and the Ukraine produce 15%. And if you take that out of the equation, we don't have the, you know, you, you have a food security problem globally. And that, that's what's going to impact farmers here in Ireland. Uh, the fact that you're going to take all of that out of production. And presumably as well. I mean, in recent years, obviously, they um, don't have as many All-Irelands in Kilkenny as we do, but they get more sunshine and more hours of sunshine in the sunny southeast for a reason, don't they? So even climate-wise, there are differences between the Golden Vale and there. It may only be a few miles, but it makes a difference. Absolutely. Um, If you take the west of the country, you have higher rainfall. And rain is the enemy of growing grain. And that's why... You know, the majority of our Irish grain products are grown in the in the east and the southeast of the country. Uh, it's for a, for a particular reason. So, um, you know, that's why it's grown there. The other point that Andy made was an interesting one, that maybe we're all going to have to get used to a different type of diet in the months and years to come that we won't necessarily see and we've already seen problems with supply chains generally but the the ability to have all sorts of food from all parts of the world uh, may decline uh yes i suppose we've taken it for granted that you go to the supermarket that you'll get strawberries from south africa you'll get something else from kenya uh all of those and they were all um predicated on the idea that you had cheap just-in-time freight. And, you know, that's falling apart at the moment. And say, for example, on international shipping, I believe 20% of the world's shipping capacity is controlled by Russia. That is now all embargoed, and we can't use Russian ships. So that's going to transform the movement of goods around the world and drive up costs still further. So uh, a lot of our assumptions uh, about availability and cheap availability of products is being is being thrown out the window in a whole lot of sectors. Right. And so, so Sean, yeah. I suppose the key question is, what can farmers here do to help with what could become over time a significant um, food crisis? And what help do you need to do that? Um. If you, if you look at that, and, and Andy will probably back me up on this here at the moment, in terms of domestic uh, food uh, production of wheat and barley, the, um, the the costs of those have absolutely gone through the roof. Um, fertilizer has gone up maybe 250 to 300%. Uh, fuel has, you know, it's going up every day at the moment. Uh, all the herbicides and fungicides, they're all doubling and tripling in cost. And so on the cost side, they're going up tremendously. 
Um, the returns in the market really aren't reflecting that. So uh, farmers cannot put uh, seed in the ground with costs so high uh, with the expectation of only a moderate return. So there's going to have to be um, some form of assistance to grow those crops uh, across Europe. And the EU is going to have to step into into play here because the minister um, brought in the farm organisations last night and he had absolutely no ideas or suggestions as to how we were going to tackle this problem. Right. We're talking to Sean Lavery there of the Irish Farmers Association based here in Limerick, of course. And Andy Doyle is tillage editor of the Irish Farmers Journal. Um, And it does appear, Andy, as though you cannot deny reality entirely in the sense that we're seeing here an effort made on excise, for example, on petrol and diesel and already hearing reports from around Limerick and around the country that it is being factored in in advance of it coming in tonight in some places and the uh, price has gone up accordingly. And that is going to um, uh, be a reality across various sectors, isn't it, including farming? Yes, indeed it is. Joe, but, uh, you know, Sean made reference to the fact that so many costs are gone up, and indeed they are. Um, I would stand back from it and say the cost isn't the only issue for everybody. Availability can become the biggest single issue. And I think that if we if we stand back from, from where we are today in our individual homes, parishes, counties, provinces, countries, uh, I think we have to ask, what can we do without can we kill some of the food waste? Can we get rid of some of the food waste that goes on? Can we decrease some of the requirement for imports that are there? Because we are a relatively wealthy economy through Ireland and the European Union. I know individuals in there will always not agree with that comment, but in overall terms, that's true. But there's lots of people in the world for whom all of these measures will result in famine, uh, hunger, increased hunger, etc. And that's part of what the EU and the Minister for Agriculture are trying to address in looking at proposals. I think it's probably fair to say that, you know, we would all wish to do something, particularly if we could do something for the Ukrainian people. Uh, there's really nothing much we can do other than provide aid uh, for them in all sorts, shapes and sizes. Uh, but in terms of trying to be self-sufficient and helping the overall global economy, every little bit that we don't bring into the country right. is there for but, others but the, to but the only thing is Andy I mean battle. thankfully you know, th- this is not the time of the great famine where we know there are crops that passed people dying on the side of the road and were moved by ship to Britain that is part of the history of what happened in the famine there, there is no excuse for not having enough staples in Ireland to feed us all surely well look let me ask the question Joe the other way around how many people could Irish farming production sustain with a balanced diet? Right. So can you answer that question for uh, me? No, I, I can't, can't answer that, but I'm going to suggest it somewhere around a million. So you Not reckon that with a, a balanced diet, we, 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 one we million, and we have, a, we have a population of, what, five at the moment? Yeah, we have a census yeah. coming we, up. We, we don't have bread. We, don't ha- we have only a fraction of the potatoes that we consume. So where's the staple to begin with? Right. Well, let's ask we the farmer. Sean, do you agree with that? That with a, a balanced diet, only a million of us could be sustained domestically? Um, I, I put it in a slightly different way. Um, Irish agriculture produces enough food to feed um, 40 million people. 
because we specialise in what we're very good at, producing uh, dairy products, uh, beef, and uh, some other products. So we're we're part of a global economy, uh, and the idea that you can go back to um, self-sufficiency to the, 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 the that we're only one percent um, self-sufficient. You know, well, hang on, no second, lads, and I'm no expert now, and two of you are, but. One of you is telling me we can sustain 40 million people and the other fellow is telling me we can only sustain a million and we've got 5 million hanging around. So I don't understand that. Yeah, You're talking about a balanced diet, Joe. That, that, that's the issue. Like we, we contribute to the feeding of a lot of people just as the Ukraine contributes to the feeding of a lot more people. But they don't feed them. It's a term that's thrown around uh, willy-nilly. Like, you know, if you take it, what do you need? Your, your tree staples on your plate and your... your bread in the evening. We don't have most of those ingredients produced in Ireland. Is that true, Sean? Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Like, as Andy said there, the wheat that we produce here in Ireland isn't suitable for bread making. We don't have any milling capacity. Uh, they, uh, as you went back and said there earlier, uh, during the Second World War, we had we had those facilities, but they became, I suppose, inefficient in the long term. And those parts of the production cycle and the supply chain yeah. moved elsewhere. But you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of getting rid of the trams in Dublin and having to put the Lewis back in 70 or 80 years later. Yes, absolutely. You know, um, but I suppose we're in, we're in an internationally traded era where uh, we source products from all over the world as efficiently and as cheaply as possible. And this is a consequence of it. And maybe maybe it's the time to pause and rethink uh, uh, food security within Ireland and within Europe. Yeah. Because it has become, I suppose, <coughs> it's become a luxury to say that you can, you know, you can put up an order on the internet and someone will go into an electronic mm. um, bidding war and you, you never speak to anyone and you, you, you place your order and the goods arrive. It's become a bit more complicated now um, following COVID and the Ukrainian crisis. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, where, where, so, my question is, and I'm not asking you two to answer it as rhetorical really, is where are the roaring 20s we were all promised? Because they certainly haven't happened so far. It's been some decade, hasn't it? Listen, thank you very much for all of that. Really interesting to chat to both of you this morning. Give us some insight into what we may be facing. Sean Lavery of the IFA here in Limerick and Andy Doyle, who's tillage editor with the Irish Farmers Journal. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.